Um, we are so happy to have Zach Dixon and his wife Ashley with us this morning. And uh, I am more cognizant than ever that fear and anxiety is a prevalent plague in our society. And, you know, we came out of this uh, last series about finding freedom. And over and over again in the book of Joshua, we read about being strong and courageous. But I also realized that sometimes it's hard to be strong and courageous when you're dealing with anxiety, fear, and the things that surround that. And uh, we decided to launch into a series that just deals with fear. And when I actually saw the, uh, the video and, and heard about Zach and what he was doing, we invited him to come and speak. Uh, I think it's going to be an amazing uh, time here today, and I'm so thankful you guys were able to make it up here. So would you guys give a warm welcome to the Dixons and to Zach. Well, good morning. There is a rest of the video. Do y'all want to show that, Josiah? Am I wrong about that? There is an entirety, there's another piece to that video that is, I think, the redemptive part. Just tell me yes or no, you can yell at me. Okay. <laughs> Good. That's how we do it. Um, well, it is an honor to be here. Uh, obviously, I'll share part of the rest of the story. I was going to anyway. Um, but... We are honored to be here, even especially just meeting some of y'all beforehand, um, but also what, y'all, what I just saw about y'all blessing another church. We love kingdom-minded churches, because the church is not just destiny, right? It's not just the church that we're a part of in South Carolina. The church is, is, uh, is global, right? There's churches everywhere, and we're all on the same team. You know, it's not just this church is better than this church, and this church has this, and this church has that. And yes, there's certain things that that, that quantify what a church is um, and what makes them them. But I love when we all work together. And so I just, that's a real honor for me to be able to see y'all are doing that. Um, and we love church planting. I've been a part of church plants and whatnot. And so um, I just want to say kudos. Do y'all say kudos up here? Um, <laughs> that's good. We'll just keep that going all day. If I say something you don't like, just say no. <laughs> And I, was keep moving. I like that, though, really, because I got a little Pentecostal in me, and so I like it when people talk back to me. I don't, I don't like to just be the—I grew up in a Southern Baptist uh, uh, culture in, in South Carolina, but I uh, somewhere along the way got some uh, Holy Spirit up in me. And so, um, because in Baptist cultures, if you ever grew up in that, at least in the setting in South Carolina, in the deep South— I know this is still the South, but in the deep South, where there's what we call the Bible Belt, churches like on every corner, um, you know, we didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit much. And it was like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> and so, but I learned about him later on. And he's pretty, import, pretty important. <laughs> I say he and not it, right? Um, but uh, in the video, the rest of the video would show you that um, the Lord rescued me through many different ways that I'll talk about today, um, through, uh, through my anxiety and fear. It's not that I don't have to stay on top of it, 
uh, I compare it to like an alcoholic. An alcoholic's not going to just walk into a bar by himself or herself because um, they know that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Um, with me, I have to stay on top of my anxiety. I have to stay on top of my depression because um, I know I can easily slip back into it. And so, uh, but the Lord has, it doesn't have a rule over my life anymore like it once did. I'm up here, which is, you know, it's a miracle. I don't think y'all know just what a miracle it is, but I can attest, and my wife Ashley can attest that it is quite a miracle. Um, But that video also showed, because there were so many things that I didn't think I would ever be able to do again in my life, like teach and preach um, and encourage and invest in the kingdom. But I didn't think I was going to even have a family at this point, because I thought I was losing my life. And so, but then, uh, actually a year and a half ago, we now have a baby. Um, she, her name is Everly. I think we actually have a picture. Um, yeah, look at that. My goodness. Lord help. Um, yeah, her name's Everly. <laughs> yeah. So the baby's just a little small, but um, my wife would want me to tell you that. <laughs> She's self-conscious about that, apparently. Um, but yeah, she loves Minnie Mouse. We just went to uh, Destin, Florida for vacation. So, But this is Everly, um, and we love her a lot. But she's also a, t- uh, a miracle in, in, in her own right, and for a lot of reasons, just because having a baby and that whole process is a miracle in and of itself. Um, but also, I didn't think I was going to have that at one point in my life. Um, I thought all of those kinds of dreams were never going to happen. And so to see her is a testament. Um, but, but also that video, I could watch it over and over again because it is my redemption story. It is God bringing me out of the pit. He literally turned my greatest misery in life into my greatest ministry in life. And I did not see that coming. I did not see it coming. He, he actually is my ministry. I, we, have a, we started a, a, a practice. It's called Hope Town. I think there's a slide for that too. Um, Hope Town is something that we just recently launched. Uh, it is a counseling practice. I got my master's in professional counseling. So this is what's crazy is I said two things I said I would never do in my life were go to counseling and take medicine. And you may have your own belief systems and all that kind of stuff. But when you're in a deep enough pit, if you've ever been there, you'll do anything to get out of it. You will, I promise. And so you're open to a lot of things you said as a good Christian you would never do, you know, because your faith was that strong or whatever. Um, but I did. And so I started going to counseling um, and, and even started taking medication. And, and you know, obviously it was all governed by doctors and all that kind of stuff. And we can have another conversation about that if you really want to. Um, but I believe in a God who creates everything good is from him. Um, and so would you tell a cancer patient not to get chemo? I don't think you would. So why do we have certain... This is a... This is a uh, see, I'm, I'm getting my soapbox up here. Uh, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Um, and so... Um, but the Lord uh, obviously broke me, and I went to counseling. So it's so hilarious, y'all. It's hilarious. The thing I said I would never go to, I am now myself. A counselor. A professional counselor has a degree, have my license in the state of South Carolina. Um, and it's so wild. It is hilarious. It is hilarious to me. But this was not the plan. This was, Hopetown was not the plan, was it, Ash? No. It wasn't. Some Christians, like when they're going through difficult seasons, they're like super like strong Christians. They can say, 
the Lord's going to use this in some way, in some incredible ministry. Like, that just wasn't me. It isn't me a lot of times, just being honest and real. Like, this wasn't the plan. Um, I did not think that way in the least. In fact, I was hopeless. I was a Christian, a pastor, but I was hopeless. I didn't have any hope. And as a Christian, or you might think, how is that possible? If you're a Christian, it is possible to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, and still um, feel like you don't have any hope. Um, And I wasn't thinking about a future ministry one day at that point in that season of life seven years ago, eight years ago. I was just thinking about today, how to survive today. And some of you have been there. Some of you might be there right now. Um, I was, shoot, it wasn't even just about today. It was about surviving the moment. I was just trying to get by moment to moment. And the reason I'm talking about this is I don't want to minimize that season of life because I don't want to minimize what the Lord did. Like, I was straight going crazy, y'all. I had a DSM, Diagnostic Statistical Manual, mental health diagnosis called panic disorder, followed with some mild depression. So I was a a mental health patient. And I don't want to minimize that season because the Lord did a... I I I remember the beginning of that season when I didn't leave my house for an entire month. Because of fear. I was so afraid that I was afraid to leave my house for a month. Didn't walk outside. I'm not minimizing this. I'm not trying to, I'm not, you're like, oh, is that you're telling a story? No. I didn't leave my house for a month. I remember when it was like the biggest deal when I took the trash from my front door to the trash can outside. Like I literally thought I was going to be that kid in my parents' basement watching Star Wars for the rest of my life. Like, no offense against Star Wars watchers. But I thought that was me, but here I am. A man standing before you that was extremely proud, but now is humble. A man that was hopeless, but now I'm full of hope. A man that was sick, but now I'm healed. And I'm being healed. And I praise Jesus Christ for this. I do. I praise him. I give him all the glory. I give him all the praise. And I believe that the Lord, through all our relationships that we've had through the years, um, I I work with a ministry called Clayton King Ministries that uh, you've sent your kids to, possibly to camp during the summer. That's where we got to know Ryan and Grace. I'm sure y'all know Ryan and Grace. We love them a lot. Um, But the Lord has has, has brought us together this moment. It's so crazy. Like Grace said in a text the other day, who would have thought? When we met them six years ago, that I would be coming to their church in Destiny and speaking a message of hope and healing. And so here we are. You're here with all your NFL jerseys because y'all care about NFL here. We, we, don't, we don't care about NFL in South Carolina. We care about two, two schools, Clemson and South Carolina. And one of them happens to be national championship, by the way. National champion, by the way. I graduated from there, so. Uh, but my wife is a Gator. As a Gator, Mike. I met Mike before. Some of you might know our dark. Is he like the one local Gator fan? Like, and then <laughs> he's the only one. <laughs> now I love Mike. Just from what I've got to, to to see, we actually he worked in the same town that I grew up in for like five years. It was crazy. Anyway, um, but I want to pray again. Um, and by the way, some of you, if you're like 
you keep checking time. I'm, I'm through a good portion of the message. So you're like, he's, at, he's just starting. <laughs> no, that was a, I wanted to share, obviously, you know, a little bit of my story. And so I've gotten through a good portion of it. But I want to pray because I know the healing work is not mine. I can't heal you. That's Jesus' job. He sent his Holy Spirit. He actually said that it's better. He told his disciples it's better for him to go because if he doesn't go, this other guy's not coming, the Holy Spirit. And so I want to ask him to, uh, to, to if, you're not, if your ears aren't open up, if there's some cynicism, if, if there's some, anything blocking, anything that you could hear today that could bring some healing, I want to pray for that to be squashed and wiped out. So would y'all pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your work, your healing work. Thank you for every person in this room. Maybe it's somebody that didn't know what they were getting into. I pray for that person that is struggling with fear. For that person that's struggling with depression. Any kind of hardship. Anything, that thing that is filling their mind throughout the day that they're worried about. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's just the state of our world right now. God, would you bring peace? Holy Spirit, would you bring comfort and wisdom and power? And the same work that you did in me, that you're doing in me, and that you will continue to do in me, I pray for some people in the room that you would start that healing work today. Maybe it's just continuing that person on the healing journey. But I pray that you would set free some people today. Continue to set free. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So I listened to, I didn't listen to, I looked at Brody's notes from last week. And after I judged him, of course, um, (laughs) with a fine tooth comb. No, I didn't. I thought Brody did a great job, didn't y'all? Um, Brody's not here, so he's not going to hear your claps. But, <laughs> but yes, uh, I thought Brody did great in talking about um, just what fear could look like in the different ways. And I was impressed. I was like, this dude's sharing some quality truth that I approve of. Uh, and so, but I thought he did a great job. But I, and so I'm going to, the, the message is humorously titled, How to Kick Fear in the Face. Um, I feel like I should say, how to kick fear in the face, say it like that one. Um, so if anybody asks you what the message is about, that's how you got to say it. Yeah, I learned how to kick fear in the face. Um, but I want to add to what Brody was talking about. Um, oh, that's cool. Uh, so a few things on fear first, and then I will tell you how to kick fear in the face. Or if you want a, a more normal human way to say it, how to overcome fear and not say it like a child, um, like I am. Um, so... Y'all cool with that? I love how responsive y'all are. This is great. Great. Do they normally do this? No. Okay. <laughs> this is great. Um, I love, by the way, this is, I'm going to have so many side of how diverse this place is. Like how we were, me and Ashley were just hanging out in, in, in Leesburg last night. And just how diverse this city is. In the South, we don't necessarily get this. And it was really one thing that bothers us a lot. Um, but in Leesburg, 
there seems to be like the world is kind of here. Like we were down, we were down, not downtown, we were at the little village place yes, last night. They had like these bands. Anybody there last night with the bands and concerts and stuff? So we were there at the Bean Bar downtown. It was one of the places that were open. But we we're just like, people were coming in. I was like, that person's not from America. That, you know, it's like over and over, these people, it's like, I was like, this is cool. Um, but it's just cool. It's a unique place that I think y'all are positioned to be in as a church where the, Jesus says to go into the world, make disciples, and the world is here. You know? How cool is that? The world is here in Leesburg. What county is this? Loudoun. Loudoun? Loudoun. Loudoun County. Wow. The world is here. It's pretty neat. Um, anyway, back to the message. <laughs> Did you know that, do you know what the, uh, the most repeated commandment in Scripture is? It is, do not fear. How cool is that, right? For the message about fear, the most repeated commandment in Scripture, and it's said in different ways, the most repeated commandment that Jesus says is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I just think that is so cool. And so I think it's important for us to talk about that, right? If that's the most repeated commandment, I think it would be an important thing to spend some time talking about it. And yes, it is a commandment to not be afraid. But by Jesus saying, do not be afraid, he's assuming that we will what? Be afraid, right? And so with, with, um, with knowing that, a couple things that I want to say first. And please hold your rocks before you throw them at me when I say this. Um, but the first thing I want to tell you, it, it is okay to be afraid. It is okay to be afraid. No rocks, right? Tomatoes. Because quickly you're like, wait, Zach, you just told us it was a commandment to not be afraid. And yes, that is correct. But, yes, it's correct to not be afraid. So it is okay to be afraid. It's just not okay to stay afraid. It's okay to be afraid. It's just not okay to stay afraid. It's not okay to let that fear rule you, to cause you to be disobedient. Because I can feel afraid, but it's another thing when I let that fear cause me to be, a dis, cause me to be disobedient to my Heavenly Father. Because it is natural to be afraid. Because newsflash, if you didn't know this, you're not God. You're human. You're a human being that naturally feels fear. You are not Jesus. Do anybody, any spouses say amen to that? Like, you're not married to Jesus, right? I'm not Jesus. It is a natural part of our humanity to be afraid. Just because that we're Christians, just because we profess uh, belief and confession in Jesus, doesn't mean that we don't feel fear. It doesn't mean. In fact, the Christ who makes us Christians felt afraid himself. I don't know if this was being jogged into your memory at all. He actually, anybody ever hear sweat drops of blood? Anybody? No? Anybody? No, no? Just the lights are there. I just want to make sure nobody sweat blood. Okay. I didn't think so. Jesus was so afraid before he went to the cross. I don't know if you remember this story. We've actually been there. Me and Ashley have been to Israel. have seen the garden where Jesus supposedly was at. Um, and when, when, right before he was going to the cross, he knew it was coming. And he was full 
of fear. So much fear and anxiety that he, which this is scientifically, physically possible, sweat drops of blood. That's how anxious Jesus Christ was. That's how afraid he was. Yet we know that Jesus, and we believe that Jesus did not what? Sin. I believe that Jesus did not sin, but he was fearful. And I think it's just just so interesting. So my question is, so could it be that being afraid is not sinful, but a natural part of our humanity intending to draw us closer to our Heavenly Father? I'll read that again. Could it not be that being afraid is not sinful, but a natural part of our humanity intending to draw us closer to our Heavenly Father? Is being afraid a sin? No. In my humble opinion. Can it lead to sin? Yes. Emphatically. Yes, it can. So, of course, Jesus would say, do not be afraid, because he knows what it can do, what it can lead to. In in the garden, that story, when, when Jesus, in Luke 22, this is where it's found, in 39, Jesus went out as usual on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. If Jesus was asking for another way out. Did y'all catch that? He was so fearful, so anxious about what was the, ahead of him that he asked his father for another way out. If you're willing, take this cup from me. I cannot bear this. But was it a sin? Was it a sin for Jesus to be afraid in that moment, for him to be honest and vulnerable with his heavenly Father? Was it? No. No, it wasn't. And the second thing, along with it, it's, not, it's okay to be afraid. Let's not act like fear is not a big part of what it means to be human. Let's not act like fear is not a big part of what it means to be human. Instead, let's embrace fear. Let's not act like it's not a big part of our humanity. Let's embrace it. Let's embrace it. Let's get on that horse of fear and ride it through the town. 1 Corinthians 2. I feel like that was such a southern thing to say. Let's get on that horse of fear. (laughs) That wasn't in my notes. It just kind of came in my head. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says this. And so it is with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. And Paul, who was Saul, redeemed, saved, became Paul, wrote basically the entire New Testament that you, that you have in your hands or in your phone. Um, this is him saying that he didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great what? Say it again. I came to you. This is great and mighty Paul. I came to you with great fear. What? Is that how you imagine Paul? I always imagine Paul like on top of his game, never shaken, fearless, just going from town to town with just gospel, you know, with his gospel guns out, whatever, like flexing his gospel muscles. No. Paul says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. 
Is this not freeing for some of you? This makes Paul a little bit more normal. This makes Paul a little bit a little more relatable. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with were a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So let's not avoid our fear. Let's embrace this fear and trembling. Embrace our brokenness. Embrace our whole life story. The Christian life is about not just embracing the light side, but also the dark. It sounds so Star Wars. Man, I'm obsessed with Star Wars. Um, but it is. It's about embracing your whole story, not just the fluffy, light, good stuff. It's also that dark stuff that you don't want anybody to see, the stuff that you don't put on Facebook, on Instagram, or other social media stuff. I don't want you to view your fear, your pain, your hurt, your suffering, your brokenness as an obstacle to God using you greatly because I believe it is the very reason that he can use you greatly. Does that make sense? I don't want you, I'll say it again, I don't want you to view this brokenness, these struggles that you have, this fear, this anxiety as an obstacle to God using you greatly. Like he can't use you if you're fearful. But I think it's actually one of the main reasons that he can use you greatly. Because tell me one person in the Bible that wasn't royally messed up. Anybody? Jesus, yeah. I'll give you that one. Jesus. Anybody else? Not even Mary. There is not one person in Scripture that I believe that it's like they do one thing, and then right over here they're doing something that's like, what? Anybody relate to that? Like all these Bible heroes and stuff that we, like we grew up learning or you're just learning about if you're a new Christian, they were all messed up, but Jesus used them greatly. Greatly. Because when we're broken, it's, it's a testimony that it's not about us, right? Like this story, this good news that I'm sharing, the gospel... It's not about me. I'm a broken individual, but let me tell you about someone who's not broken. Like, I'm shaken often. I'm fearful often, but let me tell you about someone who is fearless, and his name's Jesus. That's the gospel. The gospel is not about us. It's about Jesus and his saving work in my life. And so our fear is not an obstacle to God using us. In 2 Corinthians 12 Paul says, my grace, he says, but he said to me that God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Who is this guy? We don't delight in weaknesses, right? We only put the good stuff out there. They only see my kids dressed up in the cute clothes. Not when they pooped all over themselves in the day, you know. We don't delight in the weaknesses and hardships, what Paul says. I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Then I'm strong. Richard Foster, an author I love, says this. There's a beautiful transparency to honest disciples who never wear a false face and do not pretend to be anything but who they are. There's a beautiful 
transparency to honest disciples who don't pretend to be anybody but who they are right then. So before I tell you how to kick fear in the face, and we're moving right along if you're a time checker, because I don't have much time left, I, I had to tell you these things, these couple things, at the beginning, because like an alcoholic, the first step in AA is admission. And I want y'all to admit that you're afraid, whether you're a tough guy or whether you're a rock star stay-at-home mom. I want you to admit, or whether you're, no matter how old too, whether you're in middle school or whether you're older, admit that you're afraid. There's something going on in your life that is probably causing you some anxiety, some fear, some worry, some doubt. Admit it. So, after admission, which I'm assuming, I'm just trusting that y'all are admitting people, and that y'all would stand up and say, hey, my name is Mike, and I'm afraid that the Gators will not win again this year. Um, (laughs) Y'all threw that in there. How to overcome, how to kick fear in the face. And I, want, I don't want, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to hold stuff back because I don't want to overwhelm you. I don't want to, I could just like, just, I don't want to be like a fire hydrant. So I've got a few things um, along with those things. And I know everybody's different. It'd be uh, ignorant of me to think that I could just say, you know, a few things and that would cover everybody um, because every situation is different. I, I counsel people every day, I've counseled hundreds, hundreds of people. And every story is different. Every story is different. Every struggle is unique to that person's situation. But um, I do want to quickly give you three things um, that I see in people that continue to live a life dominated by fear. People in the counseling office, the people I see, I'm going to give you a little insight, let you step into the counseling room. Um, These are three things that I see in people's lives that continue to be dominated by fear, and also paradoxically, like, things that I see that people who live a life that, uh, in victory over fear, they have these things. They have these things. So the first thing is this. They live in real community. Or they don't live in real community. And this is just a a shameless plug for y'all also, for life groups. I believe on the card there's a place to sign up to be a part of a life group. If there's not, Right life group on it or something. Um, is there a place to sign? Just say yes or no. Okay, good. Um, I just thought I would take the approach to that with a video. That's, that's helpful. Because um, we, we were not meant to live life alone. I know you probably hear this a lot. But we were meant to live life in relationship. Our God is a relational God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's a relational God in himself, and he created us in his likeness. And so we are made to live in relationship, and we need real close community. Are, do you have, like, real community? Are we living with people that challenge us to grow up in Christ? Do you have close friends that cause you to look deep within yourself, but also outside of yourself to the world around you? It's hard to find friends like that, people like that, that cause you to look outside of yourself, but also inward at yourself. Acts 4, I love this picture of the, the, the early church when it says that all the believers were one in heart and mind. I love that. They were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, 
I love that. And then with the trailer stuff that y'all are doing, Greg, no one claims. Y'all could easily keep all that stuff, you know? But it's not yours. It's his. They, didn't, they, they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in, in them all that there were no needy persons, persons among them. For time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the cells and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Isn't that beautiful? The beautiful picture of real community. Also, with having solid community, these people that I work with in the counseling office that overcome fear, they finally overcome fear and truly finally get to the point where they are okay letting others see that they're not okay. Does that make sense? They finally get to a point where they are okay letting those relationships around them see and know that they are actually not okay, that things are off. I remember when I was seven years ago, I remember exactly where me and Ashley were. I was a pastor, like I said. Um, We were dating at the time, um, about to get engaged. Um, And we were in this, like, little park area, and I told her, I was like, I hate having to be held together. Because there was like four or five people that were just like around me and supporting me and whatnot. And so I, I told her, I hate with every fiber in me being held together by these people. It's humiliating. And she so gracefully and fiercely, as she, those two words go together with her, gracious and fierce. Um, she so gracefully and fiercely says, Zach, Mr. Preacher Boy, um, that thing that you preach to your people every week or ever so often, how about you live it out yourself? How about you humble yourself and let these people care for you and take care of you during this season of life because it is a season. And I remember, y'all, I remember that moment when it hit me that I was free to be me. There was no more games. There was no more hiding. I was free to be me, warts, wrinkles, and all. Not just the light, but the dark. When I really realized I didn't have to spend so much time and energy time trying to impress people. And I grew up in the church, y'all, so I knew the right things to say. I knew when to, to turn up my, uh, my Bible vocabulary. I knew when I needed to start volunteering at more things. I knew how to be a con artist. I am a great con artist, actually. I know that's weird. I don't know if a preacher's ever told you that they're a con artist. But it was like I was able, for, like the scales were removed, and I was able for the first time to see and to be. Have you had that? Can you honestly say that you're free to be you, who God has made you today? Or do you have this burden of having to be someone else that you're not? I love this, this quote by Brennan Manning. I use it all the time. But he talks about finding relationships and encourages people to be daring enough to be different, humble enough to make mistakes, and real enough to let others see how phony you actually are. Whoa. Right? Mic drop. I'll read it again. He says, be daring enough to be different, humble enough to make mistakes, and real enough to let others see how phony you actually are. 
This is so freeing to me. It's not meant to come at you or anything. This is, for me, it brings freedom. Because it is so freeing for me to be up here and let you know that Zach Dixon's a phony. I don't have it all together. I don't have my quiet time like I should. I don't pray enough. You know, I get frustrated at my one-and-a-half-year-old a lot. I say things and think things that I shouldn't. I sometimes had the most irrational thoughts. It would, it would, you would check me into a, a, a loony bin if you knew the thoughts that I had. I'm a phony. I don't have it all together. But again, there's a guy that does have it all together. His name's Jesus. And he saved me. He continues to save me. He gives me so much hope and so much freedom. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. Every other religion, a lot of other faiths out there that say you have to do this, this, and this, look this way, say this, show up this, whatever, and then God will accept you. But Christianity, Jesus says, you can't do all this. You've tried. I've let you try. You failed. I came and did it for you. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's the good news. It's the great news. It's the best news. That's why I worship Jesus. So, um, but I was pretty good and still am pretty good at playing hide and seek. But now I can tell you as a 30, almost 33-year-old, people think I'm in my 20s, which I guess is a good thing. But I'm almost 33 Getting up there. Some of you are like, please. (laughs) Don't give me that. But now for the first time as a 33-year-old, not the first time when this happened, when this all went down, but now I can say that I'm known. I'm known. People know me. My wife knows me, all of me. Not just the good stuff, but the bad stuff too. We ask each other tough questions. My friends around me that are like family, I didn't necessarily, you know, in my family, we didn't necessarily talk about hard stuff. So I don't know if some of you, like my, I, I think it's a blessing from God if you have blood relatives that you feel like are real family, but the spiritual family, the church, was where I had my family. Um, it was where people really helped me grow up in Jesus um, and we had tough conversations. They asked me the tough, real questions in life. And now I'm known. And I think, I really believe that is what, what God has hardwired us to be uh, able, that, that is the number one thing that he's hardwired us to do and to be, and that is to be known. I call that intimacy. That's what we want most in life. What you want most in life is not success. It is not power. It is not even the healthiest the best marriage, it is to be known. It is to be known, to have intimacy with our Heavenly Father and with a few close people around us. Intimacy, into me see. Get it? Intimacy, into me see. All of me. All of me. The second thing, I'm flying through these, is this, the second thing that I, I see in people that live a life in the counseling office that are, is, not, is not dominated by fear, but also people that I see that uh, live a life that is dominated by fear. They don't understand true confession. 
They don't understand true confession. If intimacy is the destination, then confession is the vehicle that takes us there. If intimacy is the destination, then confession is the vehicle that takes us there. And for so long, I think I had the wrong picture of, of confession. Maybe it was, you know, I had this idea of Catholicism and going into like a, talking to a priest in a little, you know, outhouse or whatever that thing was. Um, you know, that's it's just what I, what I pictured. And that's not disrespect or anything like that because I actually, I think the, the Catholics had something, they understood something right. They understood this power of confession um, that, there's a, by the way, there's a lot of things that Catholics understand right. I'm not trying to uh, put them down. Um, I'm just saying because of that, I was, my mindset was kind of skewed a little bit. Um, but, but then I started to understand true confession um, and what that means. And y'all, there is something mysterious and healing that happens when I bring stuff that was kept inside in the dark and I bring that and I speak that out into the light. There is something so healing, and it's so crazy because everything about us tries to cling and hold this stuff in and push it down. But there's something healing, and I can't, I wish I could tell you the formula of what happens, but I can't. There's something super spiritual, something super mysterious. As Christians, we need to be okay with mystery. There's something mysterious about confession. When I speak what is kept in here in the dark, where I believe the enemy has full reign, and I bring it and I speak it out into the light where Jesus has reigned. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins, not just your sins to me, also humanity, to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. It's conditional. Right? Confess and you will be healed. Last thing that I see in people is they care about their thinking. Your thinking matters. People don't like to think. Amen? They just don't. We don't. I don't. This is why we have things like Netflix binges. <laughs> Where we'll just sit down and before we know it, we've had watching five, six episodes. We don't like to think. It's hard. It's not comfortable all the time. But our thinking matters. It really does. You, ever, you heard the phrase, you are what you eat. I think you are what you think. You are. You are what you think. It is, and it's so powerful in the psychology world that I'm in. We have this thing called the placebo effect. This is in the medical world, not just psychology, but the placebo effect where there's this, literally this example where these two groups of people had this leg surgery. It seems kind of mean, but it's for the purpose of research. Um, and one group of people actually had the leg surgery done, and the other group of people went through the same procedure, they opened them up, all that kind of stuff, but yet um, they didn't do the surgery on them. <laughs> they just told them um, that they did. But you know what? What's crazy is, is that the results, the positive results from both parties were very similar. The people who, even though they didn't have it done, they thought it was done, there was some healing even just by them thinking it. Isn't that crazy? In counseling, I use a, a form of therapy called CBT. It stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And the whole idea, idea I'm just throwing nerd alert right here. Um, the whole idea of it is that, that just like you can, because I don't know if you know this, but your brain is full of electrical signals. So like me moving my arm up, my brain sends an electrical signal to my hand, my arm to move. Crazy, right? Electricity. Crazy. Um, but the whole idea is that our thoughts 
our electricity, send them throughout our brain. And so the idea through CBT is that you can actually, just like you can rewire a room, electricity in a room, you can rewire the electricity in your brain. It's crazy. And it happened to me, and that's, I can send it to tell you it worked. But also, I believe, again, everything that's good is from God, that God created psychology. Because listen to this in Romans 12, when Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, what? Renewing of your mind. He's, doing, he's talking psychology stuff right here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, he says, that, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. So just getting grossly practical, because I don't want to like just say things. I'm really sometimes bad myself at just saying verses out there and just leaving it out there and say, all right, go take your thoughts captive. And you're like, you walk out like, how do we do that? <laughs> and so I want to get grossly practical with you on how to do that. Um, and I'm memorizing scriptures, great, all that kind of stuff. But I think it's even possible. Sometimes Christians can even hide behind the Bible, believe it or not. Anybody? No, no don't raise your hand. Um, <laughs> But you can actually hide by something that's so good. Um, it's meant to edify our life. Um, but we can hide behind those things when I think Jesus wants to name it specifically. So it's no longer hiding behind verses, but what is that thing? We've got to name it. We've got to name it. And so how do I take my thoughts captive? I use these three questions. I think there's a slide. Um, possibly guys back there. But I use three questions. And I want you to write these down. So the, the next time that you feel, there it is. Thank you. Um, the next time that you feel like there's a fearful thought, there's an irrational thought, there's an anxious thought, you, you ask yourself these three questions every single time. And it's not psychobabble. This is taking your thoughts captive. I'm just telling you how to do it, one way to do it, okay? You can just totally throw this out if you want to and say, I don't care, this guy's crazy, if you want to. But this is just one example of how I put this into practice and take my thoughts captive. First question I ask is, what am I trying to predict? Name it. What is that thing that I'm trying to predict? I'm working with a guy. He is, for whatever reason, he is so afraid that his wife is going to leave him. He's so afraid of it. We talk about it all the time. So what am I trying to, what is he trying to predict? He's trying to predict that his wife's going to leave him. Does that make sense? He's naming it. Naming it. He's not just saying, I'm afraid. He's being specific. Name it. Secondly, is there any evidence to prove that prediction to be true? Is there any, like, hardcore evidence? I've never taught this from stage, by the way. This is so fun, this, these three questions. Because I always think, I'm just learning to be okay with being me and not being somebody else. Um, so this is what I want to do, so I'm doing it. Um, second question, is there any evidence to prove that prediction to be true? Like, if you were going to court and they were to say, all right, Billy, like, give me the evidence of your wife leaving you. Do you what do you have? Well, it's kind of just a feeling, you know, it's a thought that keeps on. Well, has she ever cheated on you? No. Has she ever talked about leaving you? No. So you're telling me, and this is like literally, I'm working with a guy, so I tell him, you tell me there's zero evidence of this being true. He's like, yes. So 
So you're choosing to let something run in and out of your head that where there is zero evidence. Does this make sense? I don't want us to be people that let these things, these untrue, unfactual, no reality, no evidence things have domination of our minds anymore. And then the last case, I think it's just healthy to go there. What's the worst case scenario in that situation? What is it? She leaves, right? Have other people gone through that and come out on the other side? Yes. Do you still live? Yes. Would you cry a lot? Probably. But you live. You work through it. Hopefully you're part of a church family. Especially as Christians, the worst case scenario is always, as Christians there's so much hope with worst case scenario because there, we have Jesus and we have the church. So even the worst case scenario, you live. It's okay. But let's go back to, there's zero evidence, man. <laughs> I don't say it like that. Say it like, <laughs> there's no evidence, bro. There's no evidence. And then the last thing I want to share is called the holy butt. And that's meant to be a little funny, okay? Call it the holy butt. And my three points was so cool about these, what, what to do um, about getting in real community, um, about confession, about caring about what you think. All of this can be summed up. I'll go, I'm going to go back and read the Jesus in the Garden uh, part again because all of you can see it all in what he does right there. And my wife actually pointed out one of these last night to me. But going back to the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. I love that. Jesus was afraid. He was full of anxiety. And he asked his boys to come with him. Such a beautiful example to us. Like, we're not supposed to do this alone. And even that, he took three even deeper into the Garden with him to be with them in his greatest moment of fear. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. And the part I didn't read earlier, I'll read to you now. He said, take this, Father, take, if you're willing, take this from me. But, it's a holy but, it's the holiest but that's ever lived, actually. Because thank God there was a but. He said, but your will be done. Your will be done. He was honest. He took his friends. He took his boys. He, got, he had his real community. He was honest. He confessed to his father his fear, his anxiety. He didn't want that faulty thinking to stop him from doing what he knew his father wanted to do. So he said, but. 